Everybody deserves love, but nobody is entitled to it. Katarina Clemmer. Bending, not breaking. Season 5, Episode 6. The Sting. to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we've, we had a lovely time the last episode. Oh! It was... It's, Cameron's a, a joy. It was a real yay! It was a real yay. I'm fine with us continuing to, to do that. Or no, we, we have a new to one. On. We have a new one. Should we do one in honor of Cameron? We'll, we'll get to that when it comes. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do that later. Great. Um, but thank you all so much for, for listening, and we're excited to talk about today's episode, The Sting, and... Uh, we'll get into the lens before we do all that stuff. Make sure you're following us on all the social medias, BNB underscore pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the fun things. Um, and then make sure that if you, uh, enjoy this podcast, do us a huge favor if you can and, and, uh, you know, follow it, share it, yeah. write a review. We are not entitled to your doing that, no. but we certainly would love it, it if you did. That would be awesome if you did. Um, we're super grateful. Uh, we're also incredibly grateful for our patrons. Uh, your support is one of the reasons that we're able to continue to do this podcast. I think it's the reason we've continued to do um, this podcast. It's, it's <laughs> something that's, uh, it has been a factor. <laughs> hugely thankful uh, and gracious to all of y'all who've been supporting us on that. And you can find us on Patreon as well. Just search for Bending Not Breaking. Let's talk some Legend of Korra. Mm. Episode six. Episode six, The Sting. Yeah. Um, wow. Weirdly enough, it's 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 not one of my favorite episodes uh, in this season. It's not my least favorite episode either. That might be fair. Um, so we'll 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 get into it. But we're we're looking through this specific episode through the lens of entitlement. That sounds um, right. Yep. What is it? What what, <laughs> what is it? What are the things? Yeah. So for me, when I'm considering entitlement, I'm thinking about there. there's kind of two sides to the coin of entitlement, right? One is when you have a right to do or have or be something, and that, that means you're entitled to it. So you have the right to do so permission in a way so not not necessarily based off of a self-view of more importance that might dictate some entitlement but with this specific one it is you have the right to do that right yep. like you have you are you know ideally we would love to say we are entitled to to food and shelter and the ability to survive right so when you are working a job and you have signed a contract for what you will work you are entitled to that pay if you worked those hours right Right, that that is a contractual agreement, and mm-hmm. you are entitled to what you agreed upon. Makes me think of also uh, all the commercials that are like, "Did you get in a whiplash in a car accident? You could be entitled to <laughs> exactly right." It's like because it's what did people agree upon ahead of time, and whether that's in... social contract right? or norms or exactly. agreed upon contracts and norms. Yeah, and so that's one sense, and then the other sense is this: like, oh, they're so entitled, right? And that's when people feel. They have a right to that thing, right? The right to do or have or be something without having to work for it or uh, with, with 
because they just deserve it inherently just because of who they are. One of the things that I'm going to be interested to talk about through this episode is what dictates entitlement, right? Because, um, or maybe a better way to word that is who dictates entitlement. Indeed. Um, because one of the things that I noticed when trying to do research, because uh, on on you know what causes entitlement, there were a lot of articles that popped up written by people in positions of power, mm. um, written about specifically the younger generation. Oh, they're so entitled. And exactly, and so part of it is: are there people who believe that they're entitled to better service, uh, being treated differently? Hundred percent. And then saying, "Oh, they're so entitled" is a form of not wanting to adapt to these things very reasonable to change right so because in the way that i see that because even based through this articles are people who are looking for promotions even though they're not ready for one does that happen absolutely are you telling people that so you don't have to pay them more also gaslighting also that is also happening right so and how who gets to dictate the entitlement will be an interesting thing to kind of navigate and one that when we're looking at like am i being entitled right now because i as we and because rightfully be, so, the answer might be yes. Or do I need to check? Or am I being gaslit? Or do right I need now? to check my privilege? Yep, right, exactly, right. We're going to talk about some of those things, and we're going to see a lot of it specifically in regards to kind of male entitlement throughout yeah. this episode. Funnily enough, I was looking at the definition earlier, and the example they provide is about male entitlement. Well, because we get a lot of examples of male entitlement throughout we this episode. Sure do. Um, <laughs> And, and what that means throughout this whole and world. So one of the things that I kind of pulled up was uh, uh, just kind of a general like uh, WebMD that has resources kind of locked onto it. But they kind of listed a cycle of entitlement. Oh, okay. Um, On WebMD. Interesting. Which is linked to legitimate articles or like legitimate <laughs> okay. resources. Um, including, including the Mayo Clinic and other... Um, All right, let's let's hear about this, ref- like this resources. cycle um, of entitlement. What they kind of listed, and this is very uh, kind of boiled down to the simplicity aspect of it, is when you're entitled, you're always vulnerable to the threat of unmet expectations. Ooh, say that again. When you're entitled, you're always vulnerable to the threat of unmet expectations. Right? So if you feel like the world is owed to you when you are not given the world... You're going to be mad. You're going to be it. mad about it. All right. Which is the next step. When your expectations aren't met, it can lead to dissatis- uh, being dissatisfied uh, in other emotions, anger, a sense of being cheated, a sense of uh, being wronged um, is kind mm. of the next aspect of that. So if you're not checking your privilege through this, your expectations, interesting, it's going to lead to more anger, more resentment, well, more feeling cheated. Well, I'm also hearing a, if I am entitled to you know, certain rights, rights, let's say, and those rights are not being Then given, I am going to be angry. Then I'm going to be angry as well. And feel cheated. And feel cheated and frustrated. And so that's where this balance of, am I truly being cheated? Yeah. Or am I feeling this way based off unreasonable expectations is going to be a question I think we're going to have to navigate several times throughout well, this episode. Well, and what's the difference between unreasonable expectations and, like, are those unreasonable expectations ethical in the first place? Correct. It's right. Whole, which is a whole different thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, and then finally you're distressed. You try to fix the situation and console yourself. Typically doing that in self reassurance that you did deserve everything that you wanted 
and reinforcing that entitlement behavior as a way to cope with the anger and the feeling of being cheated. Mm. So a lot of people reinforce Yikes. it by saying, I feel cheated. I want to feel valid in that feeling. And so for me to do that means, no, I did deserve those things. Well, it's because it's easier to be angry than it is to be, you know, to push back on to your, feel, the, like the, let yourself the, the feel norm. guilt. Right. right. Exactly. And, and so that is the cycle of entitlement. Yikes. I want something. I don't get it. It is not my fault that I didn't get it. I deserve to get it. Right. Yeah. Ooh. And like you said, again, what's the balance? You know, um, what, yeah. is, what is the balance between how do we check ourselves? Because there is the ability to be gaslit by the people around us. Yeah. And saying you're feeling you're entitled right now. Versus. Am I truly being entitled or no, you're not paying well, me a living wage. It's, it's, I feel like uh, exactly, I exactly. Like, right. right? Like, well, it's also, it really, this is really reminding me of the whole, like what was rooted in um, civil rights movement, especially around Martin Luther King's era of, you know, his whole argument was around human dignity and no, we need to, uh, cultivate this idea that we are, we deserve this, uh, you know, we deserve treatment that is not treating us as though we are less than human. Mm -hmm. You need to treat us as though we are fully human. And that, that was his argument a lot and framing it of like, we are all blessed and by the indelible stamp of our creator. And for him, that was this Christian God that is, um, marking everyone as deserving of human rights. Mm -hmm. And what that was led to is like really combating against people that were calling, you know, black people in that era entitled. And that's problematic rhetoric. Well, we're seeing right? it right now. And right? we see it we see now. It right. Anytime yeah. someone's fighting for livable wages, we see, I'm not giving you free money. I'm yeah. not giving you, I'm not paying you that much just so you can sit on Unskilled your labor. Right. Right. And so we're seeing language get thrown around by that. But are there people who are entitled expecting specific behaviors because of where they live, their social status, mm -hmm. whether they know it, their race, whether they acknowledge it, their their gender or perceived gender, right? These things um, that you feel owed to. Yeah. Because I live in this neighborhood. Yeah. I can come up to you and tell you you can't be here or you can't do this thing. Yeah. Or you can't have a yard sale because I live here, right? And so figuring out the balance of what that looks like. And I think early on, and this is my theory, my theory is the power of who is calling someone entitled um, plays into that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if, um, for instance, I'm going to use the language punching up and punching down. Um, I don't, there's, there's probably better language, but like if someone is punching up, if someone is, is lifting it up to you that you have power over, you that might be, there might be some truth to that, right? Yeah. If someone who has the power to be supportive and the power over you is calling you entitled, um, I would say my theory is typically it's they get to control the situation and they're trying to control the narrative in most moments. Um, but it also is who are we willing to take feedback from in those moments is also important, right? Yeah. Well, let's learn more. Let's figure it out. Let's use this episode as a way to dive into this a little bit deeper. Yeah, and before we do that, uh, Ben, 
You've got 30 seconds. Pretty sure it's even, which means it's your oh turn. Goodness. We made a whole deal about it, of me doing it. Cameron even said it was my turn last time. I totally did it last time. It is See? your turn on the clock. Ready? Go. But Cameron, so bombs and stuff. Uh, Unlock traipses out of the spirit world, and you know, Eska's like, the Avatar is dead. And they're like, oh, no. And then Balloon's first mover is out, and he hits on Ginger, and then Asami is sad, and then Mako plays detective, and then proposes like this seconds. sting, and then Asami guilt trips Mako, Bolin's luxurious life, and then Bolin helps Mako, but Mako's like, this thing, scam, Varric, uh, three steps ahead, chess, Bolin kisses Ginger when she is tied down. Can we just pause there? That's really not good. And, and Mako has a revelation time. about remotes. Mako does have a revelation about remotes. I, I miss some things, but like, let's be real. Like, thirty seconds. I, I hit tough. the big things. Yeah, remotes and things. Yeah, yeah. He knows. Yeah, I think I, the only thing that I didn't like, Cora has amnesia. That's what she wakes up with amnesia. She does have amnesia. That's not good. She's not in this episode at all. She is she's until the, the very, very end. end. Yes. Yeah. She wakes. Yeah. Who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Entitlement. Entitlement in this episode. Let's go. Let's go. What you got? What? What do you have? Um, so one of the things early on is Mako's entitlement to move around procedure without fear of repercussion or without fear of... Interesting. Or What's an maybe, example of that? Or maybe acknowledging... Uh, jumping into the interrogation room when he wants to to be able to kind of pitch his theory. Um, and, oh, so and he's like, oh, I have an idea. And he's like, and, and I'm going to go ask this guy about these questions. And, uh-huh. Um, it takes a little bit of an entitlement of I deserve to be in that space. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the balance, and I would argue typically dictated by who's in power, of um, there is power to say I deserve to be in this space. I yeah. deserve to have a seat at the table. Absolutely. Um, and lifting that up. Cause, and for other people to say these people deserve to have a seat at the table. I don't know if Mako deserved to have a seat at the table in that room. But he felt like well, and it's complicated because we know with hindsight and future sight that he's right, sure, right. And when we know Mako is right, it's one of those things where it makes the these situations more complicated. Because why is the system in this situation making it so that someone with a good idea can't speak up? Right. Um, And I think that's that's a question that's worth asking. And and I, I. I don't know, because this is not a situation where this was an interrogation of a criminal either, right? This is no, someone this who was... is willingly cooperating and volunteering information, right. and I, I like he's able to watch, but he can't participate. So, like, where where is the sense of entitlement? And I'm curious, is it specifically? Are you talking about it from a like a respect lens of? My superiors are in the room, and it feels entitled because I'm walking in on my superiors having this meeting. Or is it a sense of you weren't invited into the room in the first place? So you like, but he and, felt like he needed to be in there. Yeah, and all the, I, and I think with any, if we're relating this back to us, all of these questions are important. Yeah, and because here's where the eye roll moment is, where I'm going to say something, and people are going to be like, "Why does everything have to be about this?" Sunshine always says this. Would he have done that to a male? Police chief. Do you always say that? I'm not rolling my eyes. No, but I, but I think, and I don't know if many of our listeners are. But <laughs> how often? Why do you have to make things about gender? Well, because sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. And let's assume the very best in Mako. Yeah. And let's assume that he is not prejudiced against women in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's still important for him to ask the question of 
did I would I have done that to a male police chief? Sure. Because the answer might be, yeah, no, I feel I feel confident and that this is the right move, and yeah. so I'm going to do it. And I think that sometimes that that's true. Sometimes yeah. that's the move. Um, sometimes the move is I'm going to act without outside of the system. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not asking yourself that question ever, or if you get angry when you heard me lift up that question, mm-hmm. you got to ask yourself why. Well, and 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 the problem is again, our brains trick us. And make us think that we're acting a certain way for a certain reason when really we've been conditioned over time. over time to act a certain way. And we think we're acting on our own and without being influenced by other people. But are like, that's not possible. Like, like, I mean, like, it's, it's, when you look at like why, again, going back to the, the Mayo Clinic article that was posted by WebMD and um, where does entitlement come from? They kind of give the blanket like it's your environment it's the way your parents treated you mm-hmm. it's whether adults solved problems for you it's how you were treated by authority figures all those things play into it which doesn't really give us a like these are the 10 steps that make you entitled yeah um but all of those things are important again asking yourself those questions asking questions along the lines of am i treating other people the way that i would like to be treated in this situation which is a kindergarten question. Yeah. Um, but that's a that question alone is one to say, like, it, am I engaging in this space the way that I would want people to engage if I was the police chief in this situation? But also, like, I think, again, it's the, you know, platinum rule, golden rule deal where I think it's what is the way that they would want to be treated in this situation matters right. just as much as the way that what is the way that I would want to be treated. Yeah. And when we're teaching right? it to young ones, the, the, well, how do you want to feel is sometimes how we go. That's likely how others would feel. Not yeah. always, but like, and, and, and I think it's worth this, the semantic change though, just to articulate that the way that you would want to resolve the situation is not necessarily the best way to resolve a situation. Right. Correct. By, and just by assuming that treating them the way you would want to be treated does not mean you're doing it right. Correct. Right? And that can be a form of entitlement, right? I'm allowed to act this way because this is the way that I would want somebody to act with me. Mm-hmm. And excuse me? <laughs> like, I, like, no, when, like you need scene, to change. Like, scene, so we know that we can assume that Mako is doing this out of morality, out of really believing that this is the right move. He believes believing this, that is, this is going to protect the city and the yeah, people in the city. Exactly. Countered with the way that Varric shows up. He just walks in the room who's too. Who's a civilian? Yep. Who, even if I, I don't. If the best to be fair, have a Varric, so does Asami. Right, behind behind Maka, right? Yes. Um, and so is there a bit of entitlement that comes with money? That comes with mm-hmm. I paid for these things. Both in Asami's you know, and Varric situation, or the the comment you work for me, right? Like, yeah. Was such a teacher response. Like as a teacher, you work for me, the taxpayer. So. Um, that means I'm entitled to your time and planning and, no. and those things aren't true. Yeah. But yeah. Varric shows up. What is the best assumption for Varric in the way that the best case I think is I'm, I'm being helpful. So I'm, I also deserve to be in this space because I'm here to help. Yeah. But my first draft is he knows that he's the one who did this and <laughs> well, <laughs> he wants to be in on the well, situation. And, and he knows he has connections with president Ryko. Yeah, well, yeah, and like, so he's leveraging all of his privilege. And so, when in this you don't moment. have fear of consequence, does that affect 
your sense of entitlement, right? Exactly. Like, or are you more willing to step on other people's entitlement in order to claim more for yourself? Both you and I have been in situations like that, even in work before where we've said we can kind of do these things because we know the worst thing that's going to happen to us is a slap on the wrist. Yes. Like we've made those conscious decisions. I have, I have done that. (laughs) Arguably, I think we've done those things in our minds in our minds for the betterment of the communities that we're serving or the staff sure. that we're serving. And so I, I think an example of that, just to put that language to with an example is an, the organization I used to work with, I would intentionally, you know, before it was, you know, allowed, I would put my pronouns in my email signature. And that was against branding. That was against brand standards was the line that we were given. And so I had to like have a conversation and be like, help, like help me understand why this isn't allowed. Right. And the, 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 the fact is I was willing to go into that conversation because my dignity, human worth identity was not on the line. Correct. And I was not worried that I was going to get fired because of this. Mm -mm. And I was not worried that people would treat me differently because of this. Um, but it was one of those things where I, I, I felt that that was important to do. And so I advocated for it. I did it and I forced them to give me a reason why. And then that's how that worked. But yeah, that's an example. Yeah. Right. But you, you knew that that was against brand standards to kind of begin with, or that you knew that you'd be flagged for it. I did. Um, and I was, and you were quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And so. But those are moments where, again, it's, is that entitlement? And I think it is. Like, that was a privilege. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between privilege and entitlement? Um, where are things like? Well, and it wasn't those, I, I think it was not a, to be clear, it wasn't a, I feel entitled to, to I do deserve this. deserve to So do I'm this. going to. Right. It was like, no, I need to do this. Right. Because I can. And other people in this situation can't without feeling so context is important unsafe right and so to me i wouldn't say that i was like this is an act of like entitlement it was an act that feels different um i would say that the story that someone who had to hold me accountable there might have been that i was entitled right but to Mm -hmm. me it did not feel like a move that was coming from my entitlement does that make sense Mm mm-hmm so I wonder... Someone could have perceived it that way. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder how much perception is involved here and what that looks like. Well, how much is it... Is it a valid conversation to ask people that we trust to give feedback on those moments? Um, and to say, hey, I really want to know, do you think I was acting outside of my values? Do you think I was entitled in this moment? Um, and to listen to those that are there to provide feedback to us. Yeah. Um, that we trust. And our... That also means not asking random people in your organization because you think they might be able to tell you if you're entitled and kind of give you validation. But it means yeah. people who have also engaged in a relationship with you enough to that are willing to give you that feedback. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, does Mako have the ability to, to talk to someone after that? You know, does he trust Lynn enough? 
Does he have a Tenzin? Yeah, around? I mean, yeah. Can he come back and say, "Hey, I realize this is what happened. You yelled at me, and I've been thinking it's about probably it." Probably tough to do that when you try to do your own sting operation outside of your. Probably not helpful. This probably that doesn't yeah. speak. Well. Doesn't seem like he has a, a opportunity. To and do so that, that goes work. to another moment for Mako, which is, I'm going to go set up the sting operation and go work with a local a local gang to yeah so not only is he working with criminals right he doubles down he was like no this is so important that i need to go around procedure again Mm -hmm. and again is he right sure but is he doing going about it perhaps not a great way it seems to suggest that that is the case like this text as avatar is telling us that even though you may be right, sometimes acting with entitlement will take you down the wrong path, mm-hmm. right? Even when you have the best intentions, acting with an entitled, um, you know, sense will not turn out well, it seems. Yeah. And Asami's right there with him, right, this entire time. Like, she's willing to do this. She's willing to jump in on this. Yeah. Um. You know, she- I mean, she really kind of guilts Mako into doing it. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he would have, like, he's like, oh, I have an idea, but I probably won't ever do it. And she's like, no, we're doing it. And you should do it because I'll lose everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be ruined. And then she's like, I'm ruined. <laughs> like, that's what, like, I lost everything. Well, and so, and so let's, this is going to be an interesting, she owns this, this organization, this, uh, this business future industries industries she was gifted all of this to her dad from her dad right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who we know inherited after he no longer had but no but he made like he got all of these things through ethical and non-ethical actions right like these things that this company now has were obtained we I'm can, not sure we that assume we're assume unethically. Like we just, I mean, based off of what he was doing with all of this machinery, based off of like the war profiteering that's taking place. Well, I think what we can did, like say, even like war profiteering aside, like we know that he was using funds to fund the Equalist movement, right? Right. In terms of how he got that money, and what he, you know, what did he say he was going to do? Like, was it ethical to like? legally so to speak to do that and that's who knows like so I, one is she entitled to the things that exist or like in that legally they would say yes right those are her things yes because then we get to thievery which is is in the act of theft yes entitlement that makes sense right like is that entitlement well sometimes people steal things when they know they're not entitled to it they just don't think the person they're stealing from is entitled to it either. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, Katara, waterbending scroll. Yeah, it wasn't hers. Yeah, but, but it she, wasn't theirs. But it, she knew it wasn't the pirates either. Exactly. Well, and then she did feel some... It's the water tribes. Yes. There was, so and am, that was that so story am, that she told. I am like, entitled to it. Mm-hmm. Create. That's, it, that kind of follows that story you were talking about with the cycle from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yeah, but that's an interesting example. Which, which again, to kind of re- reiterate that, it's the sense of when you're entitled, you're vulnerable to the threat of unmet expectations. You shouldn't have that. Yep. My expectations is that you don't have a waterbending scroll from the water tribe because you're not from the water tribe. From my people. She takes it because anger. Yep. Feeling like... She, 
well, in other aspects of her life and shame kind of yes exacerbated by that, exacerbated that um and then so then she reassure, reassures herself over time that that's still hers no like, well she's she, right. it's, it's also like yeah no this is the water but like i needed to take this right mm-hmm. it was it was it's rightfully mine like it's the story you tell to talk yourself into well, why it was the right decision and so i wonder how much plays into this act of entitlement is that a a coping sense for not feeling enough right feeling scarcity i don't know that's an interesting question because in some ways i think it is am i not good enough if i don't get the like the all-star treatment when i walk into a starbucks am i not worthy of that am i not good enough for those things like do we start to act as though we are as a way to to cope with not feeling like we're enough that just that made me like the the thing that came to my head there was that feels very Karen to me. Yes. Um, like right in being entitled when you walk into a Starbucks to get the royal treatment, that feels very like Karen as an archetype. Well, and what we um, I, I'm I'm a regular here. All these people aren't regulars. I show up here every single day, so I absolutely. Should be treated I work in a restaurant. I see that all the time. Like, right. like <laughs> um, well, so like in a, every time I go to your restaurant, I get treated very kindly. Right. Yeah. Um, the staff knows me, and the, but at the same time, every time I go in, I you know, oh, we're sorry that your table's not ready yet. Cool. No, like anyone else would have to wait in this moment, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Take your time. <laughs> Do your thing. Yep. Like I'm just, I'm not expecting anything in those moments except to order the food that I want to eat and have it be edible, right? Like that's the service <laughs> I'm paying for. Edible. Um, that's but you goal. happen to treat me kind because we know each other and you treat everyone kindly i would hope yeah um and so like is there a little bit of when we don't feel like we're enough we take that out on the world especially where we think we can it's also what's the repercussion for me yelling at a 16 year old who's serving me coffee yeah i think another thing that's coming to my mind when on this this sense of entitlement that is like un undeserved unwarranted entitlement is This this idea, I totally just blanked. Wow. Oh, man. We've all been there. Entitlement, coffee, word association, celebrity status. I, 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 I like so blanked. It'll come back to you. I really blanked. And all this actually kind of plays into the celebrity status of Bolin as Nut Tuck. Right? I, yeah. I was still trying to remember. But yes, 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 yes. Like, for sure. Nut Tuck is... We started to see this. And... His his whole demeanor changes once he gets money, like right he, yeah like starts treating Mako pretty poorly. Granted, like Mako, Bolin's right. Mako did tell Bolin no, right, and so Bolin is like once he has this privilege of all this money, he's like now I'm in a position of power to say no to you, right, and you know it's interesting to think about like family relationships and how when we are suddenly blessed with things that we did not have before how that changes how we act and interact with with the people we care most about mm-hmm. right and does this money or luxury in one area change our expectation of how people will treat me in another mm-hmm. and i think the answer as we see is yes our sense of entitlement shifts when part of our lives 
receive certain benefits, but other parts don't shift with it. And that's reinforced by the societal norms that we're living into, right? If I have money and I get to pay for certain seats in a, for a certain sporting event, their food is free food is there uh ushers are there yeah like i'm treated by these people who are hoping for tips because i may have more money like when you walk into those places and so do we sit there and expect the same treatment from other people in our you know in other facets of life because we felt that feeling yeah say we collectively i've been lucky enough and privileged enough to kind of have those moments in life but you know it's just one of those things that, well, it's I one of the, it, like it greatly shifts. Yeah, if, if you're experiencing that fifty percent of the time, overall, my theory is that you're going to start expecting that a hundred percent of the time. I remembered what I was going to say. It the, the difference between taking things for granted mm-hmm. and entitlement, right? That the, there's two; those two are very closely uh, intertwined. Right. It feels like sure, right? So. Uh, when you are entitled and taking those things that you were entitled to for granted, what happens is it creates a a lack of gratitude and a lack of humility, uh, humility around those things. And I think I wonder if the the shift away from entitlement is how do I cultivate gratitude around these things that I do have? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is a, a remedy, so to speak, to this negative sense of entitlement that we've been flirting with. Yeah. Cause, because the other side of entitlement, we also want to cultivate and foster. Like, I want people to feel entitled to a living wage. That is the way we get a living wage, is people start voting for it, right? And in order to vote for it, you need to feel entitled to it, right? Um, and it's one, like, we also need the capacity to vote. Mm, that's a problem. Um, but it's <laughs> feeling entitled that you the, deserve to vote. That right? you deserve like, to vote, period. Yes. That's easy for me right? to say on my end where I've never it, had voting as an precisely. issue. Precisely. Yeah. Right? Like, mm hmm. Um, so e- e- capitalism broken, democracy broken, lots of broken. But it, in but, general, I think, I, I, I think I'm leaning towards gratitude being a potential remedy. Gratitude here. and humility. Yeah. Because if we are. I guess that's one way to keep us in check. Well, and does that are gratitude we like are we constantly being grateful? Yeah. Are we constantly recognizing that like we are not the center of the universe? Yeah. And does practicing that gratitude is that what brings the humility? Is that what cultivates the humility, right? Cuz I think the art of practicing gratitude is something that broadens and builds our capacity for humility. And we've always talked about leadership and life as as being complex and and having paradoxes that list because we want to be humble enough to know that we're not the center of the universe yep we want to be proud enough to stand up and say nope this is a boundary yeah like absolutely well in false i deserve this false modesty is unbecoming of a leader also like oh just being like oh i'm actually not very good at this when you know you have that skill Mm mm-hmm you are holding back from the capacity that you have to give to whatever that project may be, right? And so an accurate sense of what we can do and what we uh, need in order to do it is really important for the success of anything that we're buying into. Mm -hmm. Let's talk 
Um, let's talk Bolin because we talked a little bit about his yeah. celebrity status. Yeah, this is um, but this, this is, is a, pretty bad. It's a moment, and it's not the first time that that that's, it's been leading. It's been getting worse and worse the whole yes. the whole time. When this also isn't the first time that the Avatar universe has lifted up sexual assault as no, uh, it as has a not. joke. Um, and so I think that's what frustrates me even more. Um, and again, you can roll your eyes and think I'm making too much of it. I don't think I am kissing someone without their consent. In particular, is, is assault when they are literally tied, tied down. down. Yeah, um, is assault. It is. Um, it is sexual assault, and we see, Varric. Uh, Varric freaks it. out. But he like he initially that's not in the script. That's not in the script. And then he's like, he's like, oh, but I was just, you know, I was acting. And he's like, you think that someone when she is tied down and trying to like fury for her life that now is an appropriate time to kiss her? And then he shifts. And he's that like, could work. That could work. And it's just like he's initially on the right track there and, and reinforcing then, it. But then and again, I think what happens is we talked a lot about this performance aspect from him last time. He's like, oh wait. If we perform this, what we can do, and here's all the ways that I can benefit. And I legit think that's what's going through his head in this moment. He's like, wait a second. If we go this direction, this movie will do X, Y, and Z, and it will, you know. And I think letting us make decisions like that, because it sells tickets, changes culture. Mm -hmm. So making movies that perpetuate cultural stigma is, I would argue... Almost as bad as doing the act yourself. No. That, that's an interesting little claim. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Because like, I think that when we make movies and we make cultural phenomena and media that are perpetuating stigma of a certain sort, and it's not critically doing so, then it's going to lead to perpetuation. Because people are really not good at discerning. And I'm like... I. Uh, it's mm, it's well, hard. In comparing, it's never there's never going to be like a benefit of comparing. Like you're just as bad, or because the reality is it's bad. Yeah, it's causing harm. Correct. It's so whether you think it is just as bad as is is it's beside is, the point. Really, but it's causing harm to people. Yeah. Um. And when we talk about because this is a very real thing for male entitlement of I wanted to kiss her. I felt I felt like it was the right move. Yeah. So I just did it. I was. It should. I, she I, should I, be flattered. To, right. And we talked. Oh, she should be flattered. Oh, I'm pretty sure she was giving me signs. Or, oh, I just wanted to. And you know. And we've seen people kind of point to movies before, like, no, that's what girls want. They want you to take charge and just kiss them, right? Yeah. And so I read about I it. I wanted to. It takes a special place, and special's not it. I'm not using that in a positive light to sit there and say I wanted to do this thing. And so I did it at the expense of the autonomy and the safety of another individual. And that, my friends, is entitlement. And so how do you get to that place and how do we get out of that place? Again, I, I think that we are shaped culturally. For right? sure. For sure. And I think that when we are in a culture that does not question that, does not have this conversation about those behaviors and like – Let's be real. The first several times I watched this, I that wasn't my question. I was just watching it. Never it. It's entertainment. It's one of those things where when we return to this and are asking these questions, oh my goodness, this is this is dangerous because no one talks about this. And then when people do talk about it in the fandom, 
half the people start defending Bolin. I'm and, so tired of hearing. And I'm it's not a joke. It's meant to be a joke. Yeah. What it's meant to be is irrelevant. And if you are the only person who's finding that funny or a certain demographic of people are the ones that are finding it funny, but other people are telling you it is very much not funny. Yeah. Take note of where you fall on that line and who are the ones that are standing up for it. Yep. Yep. Um, but it is it is a moment to me. And, I, and I hate this moment in the show. I I hated it when Iroh. Yeah. When it, Iroh and June. And I and love Bolin and I love Uncle Iroh. Right. But people are people are people, and the best people in our lives can make really big mistakes. Yep. And it doesn't mean they're like it. I I don't think that their human dignity is any less than they are still fully human. They're still fully deserving of love. And they made a big mistake. Yeah. And there should be some accountability around well, that. And, and here's the thing, because here's the other thing is if Bolin is a fictional character. I'm not trying to hold Bolin accountable to in this moment. Sure. Right. I'm not fictional, but I do think it points to us to where we say, how do we keep people, hold people accountable to this and teach people this using the fictional media that we have? Because that's the other argument. It's fiction. It's a joke or it's fiction. Well, cool. You can learn from fiction. You sure can. Like, um, I wrote a paper about fictional characters. It's like you have a whole podcast about it. Well, I wrote a, a uh, well, yeah, also. But there's this, like, <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but parasocial relationships are relationships that you have with uh, people that do not know that you exist. For instance, fictional characters. Or another example is when someone who, like, has a crush on a celeb celebrity uh, the celebrity has no idea that this person exists, and yet they are in love with the other person. So it's the same with fictional characters. And so our brains don't differentiate between this fictional character being a live human being and a, a from another relationship in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when this character dies, when they go we through grief, it. when they do X, Y, and Z, we feel that in our bodies just as much as if we had a similar relationship with them literally in, in reality. Mm -hmm. And so you're spending quality time with these characters. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Moments that we would point to what make you click with friends and family or yeah. Real relationships. Those moments happen when you spend what, you know, eight hours <laughs> binging a show. Yeah. More time thinking about it. More time talking about it. Well, and then what right? happens is we, you know, you start a podcast about your favorite show, yeah. and then your your relationships get deeper and deeper because you're spending more and more time with these characters, right? Right. And even though the constructs of these characters are very much in my head, what makes this a sacred act, and the whole premise behind our podcast is when we start to have a conversation, and the person of Cora is shaped by not just my views, but yours and every guest that is part of our conversation and all of the people on Patreon that submit comments and talk to us about our live episodes. Like we, all of these people in these conversations are shaping our relationship with these characters, right? And that's why it's so important to do this kind of thing in community to me doing this by myself is not nearly as effective as me getting, Oh, I had never considered Cora would do it from that angle. Wow. That's so different. And all of a sudden it's just more healthy. Mm -hmm. Right? So I wonder if another way to combat this sense of entitlement is to be in relationship with more people and have more conversations about said topic. 
Correct. Right? And so, th- because that's how we check each other. Those are the checks and balances are the relationships we have with one another. So I think we can, we can address entitlement in that way by being in community, one, and then two, what we said earlier, cultivating gratitude. Well, again, because part of the things, that, you know, the man in the arena, right? Brene, love it. Oh. Really, it's a Teddy Roosevelt eventually, right. right? But, you know. Well, and this is where it goes to that feedback piece because it is who you are getting your feedback from in regards to some of these tough topics of am I being entitled in this situation? Um, you're going to want to get that from the people that have been in the arena with you who are also going through life with you, um, not from people who are don't know you or are standing kind of out in the cheap seats. At the same time, if you're in an information silo that is confirming everything that yeah, you're, you're experiencing. Nope, that's true. Nope, that's what I I feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. If, you're, if your five people you accept feedback from are also the same as you in in regards to experiences and yeah, well, not and, not every community right is you know the best community to do this with. Correct. Right. So you need to cultivate community with people that you trust, but also people that are intentionally different than you. Because otherwise, you won't ever be able to get the full story. But I think what also makes me mad more about this situation, too, uh, specifically like Bolin, Ginger has given him plenty of no's. Said no so many times. throughout, the, And he still felt entitled to that moment. He still felt entitled to her body. And so the kind of the the one of the boundaries that I feel like setting is when someone tells you no, listen. That like just that would just help. Listen, yeah, <laughs> um, and and respect boundaries. Yes, um, respect people's boundaries. Yes, yeah, and your misinterpretation of their body language is not consent. Nope. Right. So, even if you think you're right, it's not. Yeah. This uh this moment we don't have to get to the highs and lows or the um nooks and crannies. No, but I'm it's just. I this is that's my this is my moment for that. I yeah. I hate it. I hate it that it was written. I hate that it was put in there. I mm-hmm. hate it. Yeah. Are there other moments of entitlement that we want to make sure we touch on before we before we continue into our our next segmenty thingies? I mean, I think there's now we we've talked about the sting itself. I mean, do we does, do we want to talk about the triads? Is there entitlement in that relationship or in that moment? Um, I don't know. I feel like I mean the triads clearly feel entitled to things that aren't theirs. Well, I mean they feel entitled to to take advantage of Mako, mm-hmm. right? Even though like he's like keeping up there into the deal, so he was planning on continue if if they let him. They would have gotten these cars from Asami because he's like, well, now you owe us these cars, and I guarantee you, like, I don't have a very generous assumption of this. Yeah. Right. This feels very much like, oh, well, I. It might be like I'm entitled to to you know rip them off because they've only done harm to me my whole existence. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm entitled to this because Future Interest is Industries is the machine, and we're gonna rage against it. And like, there's so many entitlement stories they could be telling. Right. Um, and we just don't know what they are, and we don't also don't know if like, are they. I just don't have generous assumptions either. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're meant to. 
but well, no, I think the final step is is Varric, right? So Varric is now purchasing Future Industries at this moment uh-huh. under the guise of look at me supporting oh. the little guy. Yeah, but we know, but we have good feeling at this point that he has set all of this up to be able to just purchase. You this don't give that smirk to Mako and not be the bad guy that was the perfect bad guy smirk and so i think he he felt entitled to future industries he's like i won i want it checkmate i want it i'm gonna take it yep yeah dangerous dangerous check your entitlement yep check your entitlement so what are the ways that we check that before we before we take a break and jump into our um all the all the exercises after this what's the what are the takeaways from how we keep ourselves in check from entitlement and how do we balance that with the moments that no we need to be entitled to this and so i'll i'll start with what i remember we've talked about so far Mm -hmm. in terms of keeping entitlement in check Mm -hmm. one i think the first thing that kind of emerged was cultivating gratitude and how that leads to a sense of humility yep right and then the second thing is making sure we're using the checks and balances of our relationships and the community that we are in and intentionally building that community to be reflective of the world rather than just our, you know, perception, self perpetuating bias. Correct. Um, and so those are two things I I'm remembering that came up as always asking the question itself, right? Yeah, Awareness in Aware, general. Aware, right. And that's that I feel like that has been a theme for our entire podcast. And I think you can, you got to ask, You've got to process that. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to sit there and say, am I being entitled in this moment? Um, I think if you're willing to ask that question, it's already probably pushing you in the the correct direction yep. of wanting to learn and break the cycle of entitlement. Um, learning from your mistakes. And then, uh, again, as kindergarten, it's kindergarten, and we learn a lot in kindergarten, but the golden rule, the platinum rule, just treating other people. Yeah the way that you want to be treated or better yet, the way that they want to be treated. Yep. Yeah. While respecting your boundaries and theirs as well. Yeah. This is reminding me of, you know, everything I need to know. I learned in kindergarten. That's right. I think the world would be a little bit better. If, I want a nap every day. If we did that. Yeah. I, <laughs> give me a nap every day. Yeah. But I, within all this, the same way that we want to act inside our values, when people set boundaries, listen to them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've probably talked about that on the podcast once or twice. And so the other half of your question there was how do we cultivate entitlement when we deserve it and when we, when it is warranted, how do we let ourselves claim that? Mm -hmm. And I, I think again, it's the same questions. It's cultivating gratitude, humility for what we do have. I think it's saying, I, I think this is a reasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. I have again checked with my community and these people have helped me see that this is important. I've set boundaries and this is a part of that. I've set exactly. And now that I've set this boundary, I'm going to set this boundary saying I'm entitled to this. And when you try to take it from me, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and being willing to do so. Whether that's your time, whether like, like, cause I, when I think of that from a work standpoint, that's one of the biggest ones. Right. So, like how uh the you contractually the the hours that you've agreed to work sure um but can't you i really need you to get this done this weekend and i think there's times if you feel like you can balance that it's okay to say yes sometimes if a boundary is i'm setting x amount of time for friends and family Mm -hmm. or for myself Mm -hmm. 
then respect that boundary. Yeah. And so if, if the reality is, no, I Saturday mornings, even though I'm salaried, Saturday mornings are my me time. Sure. So I'm not going to answer that email during that time, right? Yeah. Well, it's also saying, like, uh, notice when you start to feel like you are being taken advantage of. And does that indicate that someone feels that they are entitled to you in a way that they shouldn't be? And that should be like, okay, that means I need to set. That's for me is like, oh, it's time for boundaries, right? And so when I feel taken advantage of, when I feel resentful, those are to me flags saying, okay, how do I, who do I think is entitled in this situation? Why? And what are the boundaries I need to set in order to not feel that way? Yeah. Yeehaw. We fixed it. Yep, that's we solved the world. <laughs> solved the world. Uh, we'll Thanks, be right back. Cora. Uh, we'll, you helped with us do that. More exercises right after this break. Woo! segment this week we will be doing cheers and jeers which little new year's cheer new year's cheer holiday cheer and when i jeer at people because they're that's a word right that's a thing that like giving jeers like like poking fun of but we're not gonna do that no but that's like a negative it's more of a negative thing so it's not great yeah i think it's to make a rude and mocking remark yeah that works cheers and jeers might actually be like a good Good. Overall segment title. That might be... What if that's the permanent one? I'm still a fan of Nooks and Crannies. No. I hate it. I hate it. We're going to hear from our listeners. I hate it um, so much. Yeah, but... I just... I hate it so much. Well, good thing this is not a, you know, place where we make all the decisions. No, but we make a lot of them. <laughs> like, we get to make some of them. Anyway, maybe after all of the ones we try this whole season, y'all will y'all will land on one that will help us. I'm I don't care if they do it to spite me. We're not calling it. What if it's 100%? I don't care. That is one word. That is a boundary I'm setting. Is that where you want to put your boundary? That's one of them. I hate it. I hate that title. All right. Almost anything. We can pick almost anything else. Sounds like a jeer to me. You know, it's always an have you ever like watched businesses say like we're gonna let you name our new like cruise ship on the internet. Yeah. Where trolls are. Yeah. It never turns out well. Yeah, but it our never turns aren't out trolls. well. No. Trolls. No, they're not. But it never turns out well. I just want y'all to know that Sunshine called you all trolls, but I love you. <laughs> Pretty sure that is not what just happened there. Uh, anyway, for cheers and jeers, yeah. what is your either? Pick one and then tell us. Uh, for my cheer, I think I, uh, my, I've already said my jeer, right? I, the fact that 
and this happens not just in Korra. I think that's both of ours. It's, it's it is like it, hands down. But it the also worst happens moment. in other yeah. shows, right? Like moments of that takes place as as jokes throughout sitcoms. You know, from 1970 on, and def certainly before then. Yep. Um, and so I just it's I hate it. Need less of that. Need less of it. Yep. Um, on the flip side of that, I'm I, the uh, the fact that we're able to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we're able to kind of be able to talk about that and this show has opened up the possibility for that is one that I am grateful for. I am grateful for yeah. the learnings that we get to pull from these shows. Um, and I think that's my, in this episode specifically, um, to look at entitlement, male entitlement, yeah. I think was, a uh, was something that I appreciate that we ha- were able to have that conversation. And I think it just like I, I we get questions every now and then from people who are like, "What does it mean to treat something sacredly?" Does that mean like you're thinking it's like perfect? And I'm like, "No, that is not no. that is not what that means." Um, and it, like it is a very complicated story. There are complicated characters. All it means is that we think we can learn from it by using this discernment process mm-hmm. that we do with this entire every time we do an episode of this podcast. Right. And I and I think that that's really important, right? Is having a discernment process, right? With when we are doing this. And so I, I'm I'm grateful for the process, right? I'm grateful that we are able to learn from something that is broken so that we can learn how to be less broken mm-hmm. in our own world, right? Yeah, so I'm grateful for that too. But I won't, I won't pick that. I, I for mine, my my cheer. Bear with me. Is Cora having amnesia? Um, <laughs> and the reason is we get to like this, this. The next two episodes are a lot of Avatar lore that I don't know that we would have gotten otherwise. That we learn about the origin mm-hmm. of the Avatar, and so I, I don't love that Cora has amnesia, but I love that it's where it's leading us to learn more about about avatar lore what it feels like in that moment too we see these religious um figures the fire temple sages Mm -hmm. show up and 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 do things that are beneficial right do things to support and help yeah um and i for me having a, a a scattered past through religion um seeing it used in for for healing and for mm-hmm. um, purpose uh, is is nice as opposed to attacking or fear mongering as or... it has been done in Atla with yeah. the fire sages Correct. right when it was like very when it was corrupted very right different fire sages yeah um, and so um, that's cool I'm excited I like the next two episodes I know that I do Juan, too I, I know that uh, the story of Juan is a um, maybe polarizing some people don't love that that took place and. But I enjoy these next two episodes. Oh, I do too. So it'll be interesting to talk Me about too. them. Um, with a special guest that we'll that you'll get to hear later. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Another friend of the podcast has been on a couple times, but Ooh. we love having them. Absolutely. All right. Now we've done our cheers and jeers. Yep. And now we're moving on to Devotion. Devotion. And this is where we set our intention. And this week our lens is entitlement and mm-hmm. our element is earth. Because that's next in the Avatar cycle. Because we did water last week. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, uh, when you think of Earth, when you think of entitlement, what is a goal that you want to set for this coming week to help you grapple with? One of the things I think about Earth is the ability to create shelter, the ability to set uh, like 
barriers. Um, and typically, we we always hear, you know, we want to break down barriers and things like that. But I think when it comes to boundaries, right, having a sheltered home, having a shelter, having boundaries that help us kind of denote those markings of where we are are important. Setting firm boundaries is what I kind of think about as when I think of the earth aspect of that. I think that there's two things. I want to set boundaries and make sure that I'm holding true to my boundaries to protect me and to protect mm-hmm. the things that are important to me. At the same time, I want to make sure that I'm doing that for others. And so mm-hmm. making intentional time to understand and to listen and to make sure that I'm not crossing boundaries yeah. And even if there's moments where I'm like, ah, did I cross a boundary when I did that? Like asking the question. Yeah. Um, and allowing people opportunities to share their boundaries, um, I think is important. If I yeah. if I truly want to do the work to be respectful of other people's boundaries. Yeah. Um, that's a part of that. And so I think that's an intention for me over the next week. Well, I think that's so interesting too, because I think about uh the way you framed that. I had a very visual like when I see a barrier, I see, like I see something visible that is there mm-hmm. that can that indicates to me that like oh I can't cross that line. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes those barriers are invisible because we don't tell people where the boundaries are. Right. Right. And what what you're offering other people when you put up a barrier is a visual representation of where the line is. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that metaphorically, obviously, we have the capacity to make the invisible visible with Mm -hmm. our boundaries. And I I wonder, I wonder what would be different about the way we engage with the world if our boundaries are a little bit more visible and explicit rather than explicit. And uh, I just expected you to know that you couldn't do this. Right. You know, that being said. For us, too, when people aren't able to be explicit with their boundaries, Mm -hmm. we need to set the boundaries. We need to not assume. Correct. Right? Right. It goes both ways. One of them, I feel like there's a lot of eye roll roll moments, not because I think they're deservingly of eye rolls, but because culturally they do. Um, Because I've had conversations with people where I say, I I very much dislike when um, physical touch is assumed in families uh, yeah right yep hugs high fives um i like a high five because like by putting up your hand you are allowing someone it's an to, invitation it's an invitation yeah to high five um but specifically even around the holidays this like hug your hug your uncle no thank or you I'm your grandparent you have to hug me or i'm your cousin you have to hug me like you, no right so in those moments a four-year-old might not do a great job of making explicit their boundaries. Yeah. And so I need to not assume what their boundaries are. And I need to say, I'm not going to force physical contact on them without consent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we teach that to two and three-year-olds. We should also be doing that in every other aspect of our lives. So yeah. specifically around physical touch. Yep. And so I think that that's something to lift up to is, is when you're going through those boundaries, it's, don't assume the boundaries of others. Like give them, you know, we're going to give people opportunity, give opportunity to, share, to share. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we have done our, what do we call them? Cheers and jeers. Mm-hmm. Not our nooks and crannies. Did you do a devotion? And then, Oh yeah. My turn. Yeah. It's your turn. Oh, wow. What, what a joy that is. I'm yeah. so excited. So earth 
and entitlement for me is kind of revolving around how entitlement leads to stubbornness and often is rooted in like this certainty of like, I know this is mine. I know that I have the right to do this. And, you know, like this certainty and stubbornness are the the things that come up for me alongside entitlement. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm again, like once again being called towards doubt Mm -hmm. and humility and not being so rigid in my thinking with entitlement, right? That like, okay, no, this is mine and I deserve this. Like mm-hmm. I need to question that. Yeah. I need to question that. And so I, I want to be like sand rather than like this brick wall right. of I want this where I can hold form and I can hold shape when I'm properly um, equipped, to, equipped do so. to do so. Yeah. And I can, you know, like mud can harden into any form if you shape it, but it requires a little bit of that flexibility from water, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm, I'm, really channeling this this idea of what am I going to work on this week I'm probably going to take a minute and think about uh like I'm going to set it on my calendar for the before the next time before the end of the week um I'm going to say reflect on the week and what were the moments where you were acting acted entitled and then i'm going to ask myself and go through my days and be like did i did i do this and i'm going to set an intentional time to reflect on that for this week it's it's always seems simple or seems redundant or seems like oh, that's such a taking time and thinking about things like that seems like such a, a you know it's so big oh, but it's, that's huge it's huge um, and it's not little taking a couple minutes just to process and say this is what i'm doing yeah how do i feel about that why am I doing this? Do I feel good about those things? And I'm just going to put 20 minutes on the clock, Great. right? It's going to yeah. be one of those things where like, it could be five. Like, and it, it could be five. Like... Yeah. Just check in. But I like, I really want to give myself time to process through the whole week. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give myself 20 minutes yeah. um, just to move through and, and add, ask that question. Fantastic. Gratitude. Love it. Where are we at? Is that what? what yeah, yeah. You're we're just, we're like, I'm, I, I like it. gratitude's pretty uh, cool. Gratitude's pretty good. We've determined. Who are you grateful for, character-wise, uh, I in see. this show? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of the obvious answers for me is is Ginger and just being able to, like, again, as you said, she has consistently said, "No, here's, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. Here's the line. Here's the line," um, and doesn't back down. Right. I think oftentimes when people are persistent beyond what like where you've where you said we start to be like it's just easier not to to say something and i love that ginger continues to say no and i i'm grateful for it yeah and bolin shouldn't have put her in a situation where she had to continue Bear saying shouldn't it. have continued yep. to do it yep yep but here we are what about you um I, to bring a little spark, a spark of joy, I, the pyrotechnics stunt, a little, like a little the, cheer to your gratitude. Little, yeah, uh, the stunt director, like the the stunt coordinator for the movie, the amount of joy that he has. The mover, the mover. <laughs> Those are very different things. Okay, the amount of joy he has for his craft and getting to do that, and like we all know, somehow like how setting things on like explosives can be fun. I love setting things up to blow up. That sounds yeah, fun. Fireworks are yeah, great. Fireworks are super cool. But you can see that he has like a little like a little giddy up in this step when he gets asked about the pyrotechnics and gets to talk about it and he's 
therefore it and so i just he's like look at this cool thing i, I just, actually actually I can like do that, it with a remote i like that joy i like that amount yeah. of joy he was so. into it yeah yeah liking what you do yeah just huh that. well y'all it's been another another episode of bending not breaking uh thank you and so you much stuck for... with us for the whole year uh some of you maybe yeah i don't well you're here now and yeah. if you haven't listened to us all year, thanks for listening now. Yeah. Um, go follow us on all the social medias, BNB underscore pod. Yeah. If you liked the episode, we'd love a review, preferably five stars. <laughs> but be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, reviews, ratings, sharing, this is, is always a great way to, to help us out. Um, but thank you so much for listening. I am Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. We'll see you next year. Oh, next year. Ooh.